You can't look at the assassination of President Kennedy without looking into the life of Ruth and Michael Payne, the quiet Quaker couple who moved to Dallas in the late 1950s. And Ruth Payne, she's just a Dallas housewife who happens to speak fluent Russian. And according to Mrs. Payne, all these things that happened are just this big cosmic coincidence. Michael Payne was from the Cabot and Forbes families from Boston, the Forbes family. His grandmother had set up a trust fund for him that he received a monthly payment from. His stepfather, Lyman Payne, was one of the original founders of Bell Helicopter. Ruth Payne's father was an insurance executive, and he also worked for a company called AID, Aid for International Development, which was a CIA front company and he would be debriefed by the CIA when he came back from these foreign countries. And, of course, Ruth Payne's sister was a secretary at CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. And Ruth Payne started studying the Russian language in the late 1950s. And in 1959, Ruth Payne and her husband moved to Dallas. Michael Payne gets a job at Bell Helicopter, and Michael Payne got a secret clearance to work at Bell Helicopter, even though his father was on the subversive list, along with Lucille Ball, Milton Berle, Robert Oppenheimer, but not Lee Oswald, of course. And I believe they were sent to Dallas originally to monitor this white Russian community in Dallas at the time. These Russians who had escaped Russia before the communists took over. And one of these people was a woman named Princess Sherbatov, who was from the Russian royal family. And she was married to a man named Max Clark, who was a head of industrial security for General Dynamics. And at one of these parties for this white Russian community, on February 22, 1963, exactly seven months to the day to the assassination of President Kennedy, Ruth Payne meets Lee Oswald and his wife Marina, and she goes home that night and writes it down in her diary. And of course, she was never asked by any member of the Warren Commission why she would have made this notation in her diary. And she was never called to testify before the House Select Committee on Assassinations. And that's what we're going to get into on this episode. I have with me today my esteemed colleague, Mr. Lloyd Mangrum from the Pinewood Institute for Extraterrestrial Studies, secretive as it is. And him and I have been working on this for the past month or so. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right, Lloyd, what would be your first question on this? Well, I would say, do you believe the Paines had any idea about the plan to assassinate the president? No, they were low-level operatives, and there is no reason for them to have known anything about this. But they were definitely involved in this. There is no question about that. Now, I've done a little reading about the Paines the last few weeks. As we all know... Even though greed is one of the seven deadly sins, it is a powerful motivator. I believe the pains were prisoners of their own greed. I'm going to throw something out here. Kirby hadn't heard this. When I'm done, he may look at me and say, Lloyd, you're crazier than hell. That don't make no sense at all. It's just not possible. We'll see. Now, this is just me thinking out loud. I've read nothing that would even allude to this theory. 
First, let me say, I don't believe the Paines had detailed knowledge about the plan, the plot to assassinate President Kennedy. They didn't need to know details. Now, some of this goes back to episode 56, where we both agreed that it was no coincidence that the Oswalds ended up with the Paines. It wouldn't by chance that Ruth Payne put in a good word to get Lee Oswald the job at the Texas School Book Depository. It was all part of the plan. I believe the Paines are not as ignorant nor as innocent as they would want you to believe. Is it beyond the imagination to think that someone went to the Paines and said, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Payne, you folks are in a very unique position. We understand, Mr. Payne, that you work for Bell Helicopter. Yes, that's correct. And we understand that your father is on the government's list of subversives. Yes, that's correct. Wow. It'd be a shame if that was to bleed over and affect your employment. But we can fix that. I'm sure you're aware Bell Helicopter is in line to receive a massive contract with the U.S. government to provide helicopters to the military should our preferred operations move forward in Southeast Asia. You folks stand to make a lot of money. Shall we say a buttload of money? But there's an obstacle in our way. We can fix that too. But we need a little help from you. We have a young couple in mind that we need you to mentor. Uh, you speak Russian, don't you, Mrs. Payne? Yes, I do. Wonderful. It just so happens the wife of this young couple is Russian. You two will have a lot to talk about. As far as the man, you just follow our directions and we'll take care of everything. Do we have a deal? Deal. Well, okay, let's talk about this because I think this is a very intriguing and very plausible theory. And one of the things that I have found going back through these documents is I think that Michael Payne was far more involved in this than he's given credit for. Bell Helicopter was close to bankruptcy. They were about to get this $60 million contract to build the helicopter for the use in Indochina, unless President Kennedy gets this 30% reduction in military spending in his 1964 budget, which he has proposed. Now, Michael Payne's mother, who was also named Ruth Payne, she had this lifelong friend, a woman named Mary Bancroft. Mary Bancroft was one of the few women in the OSS during World War II, which, of course, became the CIA. And, of course, she was the longtime girlfriend of Alan Dulles. He was director of the OSS, and then he went on to become 
the director of the CIA. Uh, his wife uh, knew all about this, and she said that he was too much of a man for one woman. Uh, Lloyd, I know you and I have both been down that road. That's the cross we have to bear, Kirby. So we know that both the Paynes, Michael and Ruth Payne, had this connection to the intelligence agencies. Ruth Payne's sister, Sylvia, worked at the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. So I definitely think that there was some kind of a trade-off here. For Michael Payne to get this clearance, his wife speaks Russian, that would have been a major asset for the U.S. government at this time. And this goes back to the greed thing and the fact, the fact that they were indeed in a very unique position. And Bell Helicopter was in trouble at this time. If they don't get this contract, this company won't be alive in two years. Now, the CIA tells us that not one person from the CIA ever talked to Lee Oswald or his wife when they came back from Russia. Well, if that's true, then the CIA is a completely incompetent organization and it should be disbanded. But we know that that is not true. Here you have this American that's been there for two years working in a Russian electronics factory. His wife, whose uncle is in the KGB, and they both come back from the Soviet Union, and you're not interested in talking to them. Well, I think this was Ruth Payne's job to get this information from them and report it back. But... Ruth Payne's not a CIA employee, is she? Well, if we could get to her and Michael Payne's tax records from uh, 1957 to 1963, we might find out. But there are still classified documents. Why would the tax records of private citizens be classified documents for over 60 years now? Because if they were getting money from the intelligence agencies, it would have to be reported on the tax records. And then why would the FBI have put a phone tap on Ruth Payne's phone on November 23rd if she had absolutely nothing to do with this? Warren Commission document number 206, not declassified until 1976. Phone call on November 23rd, 1963 from Michael Payne's office at Bell Helicopter in Fort Worth to the Payne residence in Irving, and a male voice said that he felt sure that Oswald had killed the president, but we both know who is responsible. Obviously, the reason for Michael's call was because it didn't take long for him to realize we're part of this. We've been set up. That was what this was all about. So shortly after Lee Oswald's arrest that afternoon, the police show up at Ruth Payne's house in Irving. They knock on the door. She comes to the door and she says, I've been expecting you. And this is from the police officer who testified to this. Which she denied saying. Right. Why would she say that? Ruth Payne is not a ignorant woman. She put this thing together pretty quick, and I think she also realized, oh, man, I'm in the middle of this. 
yeah, oh yeah, I, I don't think it took her long. And when the police come, they don't have a search warrant with them. She allows them to search her house without a search warrant. And then Saturday, they came back the next day with a search warrant. So when they show up this time, she tells them, just go on in. I've got to go do grocery shopping. And she leaves them there alone. So if we're going to take Officer Bell's word that he's testified to over and over again that she, in fact, greeted them at the door with, I've been expecting you. What did she mean by that? And he's never wavered from this. He said it to every researcher he's ever talked to, and he said it in front of the Warren Commission. Maybe Ruth had a little slip of the tongue there oh I, oh I think she definitely did she didn't make too many mistakes but she she did slip up there I think so this relationship between Marina Oswald and Ruth Payne according to Ruth Payne they were very close she took Marina in shortly after meeting her and now Marina has just had her second child just a month before the assassination but within hours after the assassination the FBI comes They take Marina away for the next six weeks. She's in a hotel somewhere in Dallas, and Ruth Payne never sees her or talks to her again. Because their jobs were done, the time had come to separate them and cut all contact. And when Lee Oswald calls her on Saturday and asks her to help him get an attorney, because here he's been arrested now 48 hours, and he's not been allowed to speak to an attorney. Uh, He's getting desperate. He calls Ruth, and he asks her to get an attorney for him. And Ruth said, sorry, Lee. My job's done. We're done. I can't help you. And five days later, when they have Lee Oswald's funeral, Ruth Payne is not there. Jackie Kennedy sent condolences to Marina Oswald. But Ruth Payne, she's not there. It's all part of the job, Kirby. Certainly is, and she had to separate herself from Lee Oswald and Marina Oswald because her part of this is over. But of course, it's not over. This is never over. So you believe it took the actual event, the assassination, before the Paynes finally, fully realized what they had been a part of? Yes, because this was a compartmentalized, covert operation. Only what they knew was where they were supposed to direct Oswald to. I do not think they knew anything beyond that. We're sending you this guy. You monitor him and we'll tell you what to do with him. And they thought they were doing something for their country. They thought they were helping to defeat Cuba and communism. And like I said before, I've never accused Ruth Payne of a crime. Not committed a crime. But what she needs to do is come forward while she's one of the few people left in this and finally tell the truth which she has not done to this point. Michael Payne has been dead since 2018, 
he made no sort of deathbed confession or any such thing. Why do you believe that maybe Ruth would do this? No, and I don't think that she ever will. She could certainly blow this thing wide open with just a couple of sentences. Yes, I was a CIA intelligence operative. Yes, I was Lee Oswald's handler. And that's all I know. That's all she would have to say. And it would certainly turn this thing around. But I don't expect that to happen. I can't imagine having to carry this your whole life and know what this outcome of this was. I, I just don't know what that would be like. Well, Ruth seems to have lived a pretty comfortable life. It's not like this is eating her up inside and sent her to an early grave. No, that's true. Uh, after her children were grown, Ruth goes back to college and she gets a master's degree in psychology from the university of South Florida in the 1980s. She started joining some of these peace groups, and she goes with one of these peace groups to Central America. And, of course, this is when we were arming the Contras to try to throw over the communist government in El Salvador. And she goes to one of these camps, and someone recognizes her, and they start saying, that's Ruth Payne. She's CIA. Don't talk to her. And she ends up having to leave. So what do the locals in Central America know about Ruth Payne that we don't know? Oh, she's more popular than the Beatles. But the point in that is that people don't believe what she's telling you. She goes to a foreign country and people recognize her and think that she's in the CIA. And we'll go back to the point that Lloyd made at the start of the podcast. I do believe that there was some kind of a trade-off here. Of course it was a trade-off. The pains were in a position to provide something that the government wanted, and the government was in a position to provide the pains with wealth beyond their imagination. Wealth that continues to this day. And the other thing that I've found as going through this again I believe that Michael Payne's involvement in this is far greater than I had originally thought. Michael is the key to the wealth that they so desire and have been promised to him. He has to participate. He has to do what he's told if he is in fear of losing his clearance to work at Bell Helicopter. And their assignments in this may have been totally different. Maybe that's why Michael moved out. Maybe he was told to separate himself from the Oswalds. Right, because Oswald's clearance is higher than Michael Payne's. Of course, we don't know what Ruth Payne's clearance is because that's still considered a national security document. Michael and Ruth Payne, they were just this quiet Quaker couple who got caught up in this. And there is no way out of this, and it doesn't end. They thought they were doing something for their country. I don't know about that. 
And I want to thank Lloyd for coming up today and giving us his observations and his theories on this, and he makes some valid points. Like they always say, follow the money. And Bell Helicopter needs this money. They're in serious financial trouble. But by 1969, Bell Helicopter has sold $600 million worth of helicopters to the United States military. And this man I talked about earlier in the podcast, this man named Max Clark, who was chief of industrial security for General Dynamics. He has a party at his home in summer of 1962. And who does he invite? None other than the dishonorably discharged commie pinko defector, Lee Oswald, and his wife. And of course, General Dynamics will also get a contract from the United States government to build the fighter jet for Vietnam with a price tag of $6 billion. President Kennedy and Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara had wanted this contract to go to Lockheed, not General Dynamics. But once Lyndon Johnson is president, General Dynamics gets the contract. Ruth Payne, in her own words. I know I live in a lot of people's conspiracy theories. From the start, I've tried to say what my own experience is so that I could say what I saw or what I found. I feel an obligation to history. I was not his handler. That's a funny spy word. Nobody could handle Lee Oswald. I've asked myself, is this someone the CIA would have hired or worked with? The answer is no way. I took Marina and her child into my home because they needed a place to stay, and I was interested in learning the Russian language. I could take her to the doctor and translate for her. Yes, I met them on February 22, 1963, exactly seven months before the assassination. People make so much out of that. It's just a coincidence, just like everything else in this case. I went to play cards with some of my lady friends, and one of them said, There's Ruth, the CIA agent, and we laugh so hard because it's so silly. Most people are really nice when they meet me, but there have been a couple of episodes where it got very uncomfortable. This was the most horrible day in history, and I relive it every day. I just hope that the true history of this will finally prevail. I've given up wondering when the sharp sting of my grief over the loss will wane. I don't think it ever will. So Ruth Payne says she was interested in learning the Russian language, but then she says she could take Marina Oswald to the doctor and translate between the two. That's not someone who is learning the Russian language. Alan Dulles, director of the CIA, fired by President Kennedy in 1961, on the morning of November 22, 1963, he shows up at the top-secret CIA facility known as The Farm, and he will be there all weekend. Why would he have gone there on this particular day after being fired by President Kennedy two years before? This was a CIA black site where defectors were brought in for interrogation and individuals were trained to be skilled assassins. House Select Committee on Assassinations Investigator Dan Hardaway this was an alternative CIA headquarters where Alan Dulles could direct covert operations. Alan Dulles will later tell his biographer, What would they say if they knew I was in Dallas three weeks before the assassination and that I know Ruth Payne? Ruth Payne says she hopes that the true history of this will finally prevail. I hope it does too, and we're going to keep doing this until it does prevail. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and i got to thank Lloyd and Michelle for 
coming up and helping out on this one. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about this man, Antonio Vicenza, and what he told the House Select Committee on Assassinations that he saw. And we got some shout-outs to give. I got to give a shout-out to Rhonda, Cameron, and Kathy up in the Outer Banks of Brickman. Kathy, my uh, JFK memorabilia hunter, always bringing me cool stuff. Patty and Eddie over in White House. And I got to give a shout-out to some listeners in Jared's Cross in the U.K., We appreciate you listening, and all our friends in the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Dublin, Ireland, Brussels, Belgium, Whittier, California, birthplace of Richard Nixon, a lot of hanky-panky going on that we had nothing to do with, and Lloyd down at the Pinewood Institute for Extraterrestrial Studies, very secretive. He won't even tell me what goes on down there. And check out my other podcast. It's called The Shattered Sixties. It's about the Manson murders. And it's available on all your podcast networks. And we'll see you next time, everybody.